You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our fabulous friends. Hey, everybody. It's Adrian. This is Josh. And if you're listening to us, you know what it is. You got yourself another episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids Podcast. Glory, glory, holy. Welcome back. Welcome back. And, One you've, and all. All, you've all been asking me to say it, so Excelsior. <laughs> I know how much you all want. Yeah. How are you doing, sir? I, I'm doing... Um, it's... Uh, I feel like we've... I mean, this is specific to South Florida, so if you don't live in South Florida, you can turn this off. Um, I feel turn like it off right from the get. We're we're getting like the glimpses of the rainy season, which I'm sort of excited for. Um, I don't know. It, I, we you don't experience have, some of the rainy season. Yeah, we don't have seasons here, so like when there's any change, like ooh, this is something new. Yeah. Um, but I'm doing well. I'm just plugging along. Uh, I did. I I knew our last episode on church camp stuff would be great because we did it. I mean. <laughs> we knew it was real. gonna it was be amazing. seven hours on, long who are we kidding um, <laughs> seven hours long but yeah the reaction we've gotten to it has been stellar yeah it was pretty wild easily the most feedback and the most like submissions it was just cool um yeah we had so many <laughs> stories <laughs> and and people who are like hey i heard that episode and there's something that, that happens is they hear the episode and they go hey thanks for the episode let me tell you an experience that I remembered. And I think that's amazing. Like it means that something that happened in the conversation yeah. sparked a memory the same way that has happened to us multiple times mm-hmm. where I'm like, as soon as you said that, I just thought of a yeah, thing. Yeah. And there's something about like discovering a new thing that even though like it was important to you sometime, somewhere, um, and you get to leave that memory I don't know. Like, I, I, there's a there's catharsis. I guess is 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 the term that the folks. You were having use. a Josh Link moment. You couldn't think. of I words. couldn't think of words. Well, I am a little bit fried, and primarily because I came over. We are on a post uh, TikTok video uh, oh, yeah. sesh. Um, um, this, well, I, I, I got to talk about this for a hot second. You go do it because the song is stuck <laughs> in my head. <laughs> so um, our friend Carissa at Angry Church Kids on Instagram posted this thing, and she's like, "Hey, on our stories," and she's like, "I discovered a website." that you can put in a, a keyword or a topic and then it generates like a verse and a pre-chorus and a chorus. And she tried it for the word Lord and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. I have to steal it. So I got a permission. I stole it. And then so we made like like a thing. Basically, we did Jesus and then I just played a little bit. You did like a whole beat with like yeah, another one. And then I did one with the word Savior. And then we just, someone suggested Holy Spirit. So of course we did Holy Spirit. Um, but it's like, it just like sounds like a, like a, Rend collective experience. Sounds like a Lumineers <laughs> song. Yeah. Which was, I mean, for all of you, uh, I could hardly get through it. Who 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 didn't? Who weren't there for our church plant? Which was no one because like maybe ten people. The very the the beginnings of our church was very much us just replicating. Oh yeah, Mumford and Sons. Yeah. If you, I, I played a kick drum <laughs> while playing acoustic guitar. Uh, pretty much, I only wore a vest every day. I'm pretty confident I only wore a vest. Uh, yeah. Oh so if God, you yes. anyone who was at our our original church plant, um, this is a very this is reminiscent. This is actually a song that we played. So I, that is like I, it, I I am still like I can't get over how ridiculous. It's so good. Yeah. It's it's fun. Um. But yeah, uh, like like you said about the the camp stuff, it's just interesting how <laughs> we think we have 
either forgotten things or kind of squashed them down deep within our bowels. Like, oh, God, they said this one thing. Or yeah. there's a couple of submissions that I was listening to when we were putting the episode together. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I can, like, listening to some of those stories, took I could smell and feel and see like myself in those places. So yeah, I'm glad it went really well. And once again, those who submitted stories, if we didn't get to yours, thank you for, for submitting it. Um, but regardless, that was a banging episode, bro. Banging. Banging episode. I, have you ever said banging like as an adjective just in life or is it only in this context? I'm sure I did when I was younger. <laughs> okay. I, I, can, to, I can, I can almost wear like skateboarding clothes, but I just, I could never even kick a board. <laughs> Alyssa said something that she goes, Hey, I noticed that when you talk to guests, you go, wow, that really rocked my shit. <laughs> she goes, you don't say that. <laughs> In life, you've never said that once in your life. And I was like, you're right. I don't know why I'm saying that in the interview. Uh, I don't ever say that. Uh, so now, everyone, I want you guys to do me a favor. Circle back. And at least once in every interview with a guest, uh, I'll just say that somebody rocked my shit. Well, what we need you to do is go back and listen to every single episode. And send us uh, exactly the timestamps because we're no, going to make a rock don't. my shit no, super tight. I, I, we just need you to pump up our numbers. <laughs> this is very selfish. Just go back and listen. Yeah, but just listen. It's really important you find this. So, sir, what's on the docket today? It's funny you should say docket because we're going to a place we're all familiar with, and that place is Hellcourt. That sounds like it's a video game. They're they're dragging you into court like, oh, God. (laughs) But like punching you in the nuts. I want to be here. (laughs) So. Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's great. It's hard to talk about serious topics with this great sexy court music yeah it's true horn stabs yep um but moving on from that to something that is just fun fun in a way (laughs) i I realize as i said the word fun it might not be the best way to describe mark driscoll i don't think i would ever phrase it that way yeah it's it's interesting i'll say fun in the sense that man if i need a good chuckle Sure. I'll just look on YouTube for Mark Driscoll videos and him yelling at me. You're not a man. Now just makes me laugh. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't know what I am anymore. You're correct. <laughs> we need to get just a clip of him screaming, you're not a man. And screaming, how dare you? Because those are some of my favorite things I've ever heard. If we can get like a sound drop of his chest hair growing. Just like a, <laughs> I don't know. So we got sent a uh, interesting article on um, our, our, our favorite uh, chest hair bearing fan flannel flannel uh, flannel wearing pastor Mark Driscoll because he said our favorite chest hair bearing fan <laughs> yeah he's an avid listener huge, he's, a huge he's in the discord under a secret name see if you can find him Patreon <laughs> subscribers um, so I mean this is actually uh, early May of, of 2021 um, this article was written about and, and and if you attended Mars Hill or any uh, branch or satellite campus of Mars Hill, none of this surprises you, because now this year, 2021, Mark Driscoll is being accused of cult-like actions, 24/7 surveillance, and mandated loyalty. <laughs> so it's wild. You want to get the people a, a a kind of if you're if you're just jumping into this episode, you skipped all the other ones. Sure. Who is Mark Driscoll, and 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 how does he like fit into the story of reformed yeah. Adrian and Josh? So Mark Driscoll was a megachurch pastor. He was uh, he founded a church called Mars Hill Church out in Seattle, I believe. And in like like the 2010s, like he was one of the people that was spearheaded, yeah, this wave of like neo Calvinism, like 
God doesn't love you. God loves God kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And you're, you're lucky if you can get on God's kind of in God's corner because God, whatever. And so like when you think of people like John Piper and like um, Francis Chan and Matt Chandler and, and David Platt and Ooh, David like, Platt, the name I haven't like, heard in like, a long time. Yeah. Oof. But like all of these dudes, at yeah. least in my mind, certainly they're not all the same. Um, Mark Driscoll stands very distinctly in my mind, but um, he started this church and he was known for kind of being like, the bad mouth pastor, mm-hmm. the pastor who swears he don't give a fuck. And, and then, but then what we found out was it came out that like, he was like an incredibly abusive, toxic person in the ways that he like emotionally and like verbally harmed everyone that was around yeah. him. Um, and then the ways that the systems in his church at the time would like cause like tremendous spiritual abuse and trauma by the ways that they would like excommunicate people and hold them to certain standards. And so he disappeared for like, I got literally like a minute and then came right back and planted a new church, which I believe is called Trinity church. Yeah. Um, in New Mexico now, is that Uh, where it's based uh, out of now? Arizona, New Mexico. Um, yeah, it's, it's just interesting because it's like, what do you think he's going to do? First of all, this is like, this is what he was known for, right? Yeah. So what do you think he's going to do? He's going to come back changed? Right. I don't think so. And now it's almost like he's kind of like become a caricature of himself. Yeah. So like like they they so um Elvis Presley, they said that when Elvis Presley started singing, he didn't have like the Elvis Presley wobble of his voice mm-hmm. and like as he progressed in his career, he started to like listen to himself and just kind of like play telephone with himself to like by the end of his life, he was just like really like selling like mm-hmm. whatever and like in my mind, what's happening with Mark Driscoll? Mark Driscoll is the is Elvis he, of the church. Totally. He's like Elvising <laughs> himself right now. He's just like kind of, you just see him like doubling down as yeah. kind of like this, I'm a badass. Yeah. You know? And so I guess what happened here in this particular article, and we'll drop it in the show notes, but I guess there was a family called the Manuelas, and, and they their son kissed his daughter. And God forbid. No, no, no. You don't. No kissy kissy. You dare not be smooching the daughter of Mark Hairchest Driscoll. It's interesting because in the article, they do a pretty good job of kind of recapping what uh, what kind of happened uh, back in 2012. Um, and this, this quote I'm about to read from Mars Hill that he gave on stage perfectly sums up everything. So this is back in 2012. Um, so he said that if anyone at Mars Hill did not fall in line, they would be run over. This is what he said, quote, there's a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus, and by God's grace, it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. What? So what does he have outside of his current church? I believe, I, I could be wrong, but um, like then he brought a bus like as a prop. So th- this whole article talks about how oh, back wow. at Mars Hill, Seattle, his first venture into church stuff, he had like elders and stuff. Now there's no one. It's just it, him. It's now they have like a list of people with their like identifications or their um their uh, vehicle information who are banned from the property. Yeah. Um. Like he's forcing people to sign like these loyalty. Th- like it's he has like a loyalty ranking system from one to ten. Yeah. It's it's gone so far. How loyal? What's your loyalty ranking, bro? To who? To me. In what sense? Um. Who else is in the room? Uh, I'm about to get in a fight. Oh fuck! Twelve, I, <laughs> dude. Let's fight right now, dude. Let's go. I haven't gotten a fight since like 
fifth grade and it was a girl and she kicked me in the chest and I cried and they still gave me a medal at the karate tournament. Oh, so that was the great. Oh, it was a karate tournament. <laughs> I was like, I want to know in this. Okay, got it. Thank you. For the Sheila context. Moody, if you're listening to this. You kicked his ass, You, you Sheila kicked Moody. my ass. She was so good. Hell and yeah. it took one roundhouse kick and all my karate kid <laughs> dreams disappeared. I cried so much. They still gave me a medal. <laughs> I will say that again. These Kids. snowflakes. <laughs> if you if you want a medal, just fucking cry. Cry very hard. Um, but yeah, it's like scrolling through the article, it's just more of the same. So yeah. Mars Hill for me, I didn't realize things were falling apart till all these like really big worship bands that were uh, uh, came from Mars Hill were like, hey, we're leaving because yeah, King's Kaleidoscope. They're trying to take our money. They're being really controlling of our creative aspect. I'm like, wait, Mars Hill can be wrong. And then that's when everything started to come apart and like, oh, then Mark Driscoll left. And I knew, I fucking knew that when he left, he was going to show up somewhere else. Within like a month or two or three, he's like, him and his wife are like, no, we're going to try just moving further south. Um, yeah, that's a talent. Yes. Yeah, it's a talent. Um, but yeah, it's the article, like Adrian said, we're going to link it in the show notes. It just talks about how this is basically Mars Hill 2.0 with no oversight. Mm-hmm. This guy... Oh my gosh, uh, I, I'm, I'm just scrolling through it now. There's a graph of what is this? How? Oh my gosh! How Mark Driscoll and and underneath him has the Wise Council and like all the, like the the layout of this new church. It's it's insane. Oh, this is like like a like a chart There's leaked documents from Trinity Church. This feels so cool. I feel nice. like we're on the inside. We're like the beginning of a Netflix documentary. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's like there's text from people. There's a lot of people coming out and speaking out. And I do know some of the people um, who have been messaging us on uh, Instagram are also have either been in Mars Hill or reaching out. I know there's Instagram accounts kind of popping up trying to bring light to this. Hmm. Um, it's just really sad. This is happening all over again. Yeah. And now it feels like he has less governance over top of him. He can just fuck. It. He didn't give it. He didn't care. It doesn't matter. He doesn't have to answer to anyone. And I'm but thinking- God. Or right. the God in his head, at least. Yeah, wow. And I'm thinking about it now. The God in his head, that's perfect. I'm thinking about it now is like the people who were harmed by Mars Hill are just watching this abuser kind of do it all over again. That's got to be like doubly. So, so inf- triggering, dude. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's like no justice for those who were hurt yeah. because they don't have a stage, they don't have the money, and they don't have the book deals. That's right. And, and so, so you're kind of just like powerlessly watching this person like yeah. continue to kind of repeat the same kind of cycles of abuse and it's fucked it's really really fucked it's very odd and of course it would take place within western christianity yep i'll toast to that toast um, huzzah huzzah fuck you <laughs> man oh man oh man well i mean we're gonna be looking into that further i'm sure this is only gonna be the beginning i feel like um, we stopped I, talking about uh, Ravi Zacharias, and I feel I like I feel like we should stop saying it. This is only the beginning. We'll touch. We have so many things we have to catch up on. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, uh, loose ends that we just have fraying. We should just <laughs> stop saying that. We're never talking about Mark Driscoll. No, yeah, we, we're not going to set a precedent. <laughs> we will likely not circle back to this. Well, um, we are really excited about this interview. Um, we got the awesome opportunity to uh, talk to Britt Barron. Um, author of a book called worth it we talk about that in her interview um in listening back to it we talk about her book worth it which to me i go through these phases where i read and i read and i read and i'll read like fiction or graphic novels and i'll read like um books that people send us and this one was easy 
Mm-hmm. It was like it felt like it was in my wheelhouse. Yeah. I understood, like I understood the words. <laughs> um, Good for I, you, man. I, 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 I was gonna say I understood where she was coming from. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this interview uh, was just really, really good. I feel like Brit is on our same wavelength. Yeah. Um, and there are some stories she shares about, she, she worked at a mega church. And when she was talking about that stuff, I'm like, oh God, this feels like I'm in a staff <laughs> meeting. I don't like this. My body is getting all tense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some of the stories of like self-discovery while in those fucking meetings. It's crazy. It, it seems like something wow. like out of a movie. We, we, um, we're connected to Brit via Kevin. The, of course. The Great Bridge. <laughs> we literally have met most of our friends in this deconstruction space all because Kevin of Kevin. from uh, whom all blessings flow. I don't know how the song it. goes. So yeah. close. No, you're right. You're totally right. Um, yeah, Kevin. So, Ke- all good things come from Kevin. That's, <laughs> that's what true. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking to Brit was so cool because it was, because she comes from a perspective of someone who literally existed in kind mm-hmm. of the evangelical yeah. machine for most of her life yeah. to this point. And and then she like kind of came to terms with her own sexuality while being a pastor at a mega church. Yeah. And then I'm not gonna kind of steal like the, the thunder from the story, but like then like her discovering like her love for her now wife, Sammy, like that kind of launched yeah. um, kind of her entire process of undoing it all. Um, so folks, if you are a person listening and perhaps you are in, um, like you come from a church staff experience like we did, or maybe you're in the church staff experience. Or if you, uh, she also talks about kind of being a woman of color in mm-hmm. the context of white evangelicalism. She talks about kind of coming out uh, and, and all of these things. I, I If that's for you, def, I think you're going to love this interview. Definitely keep listening. Um, if that's not really your vibe, um, because we do kind of talk about like the relationship to like the mega church space and the ways that like, like harm can be perpetuated mm-hmm. um, from the perspective of someone who's in it, right? From the yeah. person who is like a, a cog in the machine. Um, so if that's not for you, certainly just skip it. We'll put a timestamp to the next segment of the show. Um, but we think you're going to love it. Yep. So without further ado, here is our interview with Britt Barron. Hey, everyone. This week's guest is a speaker, teacher, and author. Her work stems from a deep-seated passion for reminding people that choosing freedom is always worth it, no matter the cost. In July 2020, she released her book, Worth It, which is available everywhere books can be found. Let's give it up for Britt Barron. Hi, Britt. <laughs> Yo, Britt. Hello. Wow, that was, wow. I'm, I'm sad I can never have that exact moment again. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're Thank you. For. Yeah, that's really the, that's the dream. That's yeah, awesome. wow. Thank you for joining us. We're so stoked to have you. Yes, I am so excited to be here. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. So we have a mutual friend, Kevin Garcia, whom we love and adore. and. You had posted about your book, and then mm-hmm. they 
like looped us in and they were like, yeah, you speak to Brit. So we leapt up the opportunity. So thank you for making some time for us. I know things are crazy where you're yes. at. So thank you. What a wild time, but oh gosh, <laughs> I won't go on a rabbit trail of how much I love Kevin, but I could. Yeah. And we, our hour would be up. <laughs> we interview Brit Barron just to talk about Kevin Garcia. <laughs> yes. Right. This is the intro to Kevin's roast that I hope happens one day. <laughs> oh, that would be insane. That's amazing. Yes. A Kevin roast episode. I'm just saying, keep it in your back pocket. I'd love to be a part of it. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> yes. We noted. Let's go ahead and add that. Great. February 23rd, 2021. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, Britt, I'd love to jump right in. We always okay. ask our guests kind of the same question right from the outset. Uh, we always ask them if they were church kids. And if so, what did that look like for them? Um, so could you kind of tell us kind of your upbringing, if you interacted with that space? And if so, what did it look like? <laughs> Was I a church kid? <laughs> oh, God. Um, did I sign many, many purity pledges? Also, yes. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> I was very much a church kid. My parents, like, went all in I am mm. the youngest of three children and so right around I think when my sister was born is when they went from like regular Christians to like super Christians um just in time for my arrival so I grew up like all my first memories are like VBS Sunday school teachers and then um oh my gosh just all in it and then when I was maybe 14 my no when I was 10 we moved and um my dad became the vice president of a little thing called promise keepers I don't know if you've heard of it so we were in it um then he planted his own church so it became a pk then I went from church kid to christian college kid to pastor kid semi-adult um, so yes, I was a church kid and I was not allowed to listen to anything besides DC talk and oh, yeah. Crystal Lewis. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Did you have like any time like a, a quote secular friend had some band they loved? You had to like find the mirror correspondent in Jesus land that you're like, oh, well I have Reliant K or whatever. Yes. Or like I would hear a song and really like it and then just discover that a Christian had like covered it with just a few different words. And then <laughs> that would be like, <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that, wow. I don't, okay, I there's guess. This, okay. There's this music soul child song called love, which is actually really amazing. And it doesn't even, I don't even know why anyone would be opposed to someone listening to it, um, but it was secular. And then it was covered at this church. And instead of love, the singer said, Lord. Okay. None of the other <laughs> words changed, okay? Because it's like, <laughs> the song is already honestly kind of worshipy in a yeah. weird way. Oh, yeah. So they had just changed that, and they were, like, selling the recording. So I was like, oh, nice. I can wow. hear that song. <laughs> Wait, they were selling the recording? <laughs> yes, they sold, which I'm sure is illegal. Like, totally. Yeah. Gotta be. You, you changed one word, like, melody. The, everything else is exactly the same. Just change love to Lord. Baby and to Jesus. If that isn't the picture of that Christian, like pop culture little bubble. Oh, yeah. It's like added Jesus or Lord to it. It's ours now. I can it's make money ours on it. It's ours now. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude, calm down. We, we, it's a Christian song now. I own it. 
Yeah, very Christopher Columbus of us. No, this is mine now. Right in line. Right in line. I discovered this song. Look what I discovered. You guys haven't heard it this way. (laughs) We changed two letters. Yeah, right? So, okay, so you come from, okay, so you definitely did what so many of like these people who grew up in churches, like you followed the script, right? For me, same sort of thing. We both, Josh and I, same sort of thing grew up in church we were like worship leaders and then Mm -hmm. we didn't go to a a christian college but we were just you existed so yeah we didn't get all those points Brit just signed off real quick (laughs) oh i'm not wow okay all right Um, that's a very valid that hurt i don't even care anymore that still hurt I don't even call myself a Christian. I, I was going to say, you're crying? taking that personally. It's like somehow offensive. None of us I'm going to I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm going to go become a Christian just to get offended by it again. Yes, yes. Just to finish uh, college. <laughs> I can do the prayer for you if you want. I appreciate oh, it. I'll yeah, come down yeah. to the front. <laughs> so, yeah, can we, can we talk about that? Because I do think that there is something about, like, I grew up in church and kind of, if you're in church for long enough, if you're already there three days a week, like mm-hmm. we should probably just go and just make that your thing. And it kind of becomes your entire yeah. uh, identity. Can you kind of speak to some of that experience maybe? Yeah. I mean, I, I truly think this is one of the things that keeps so many folks in the church, mm-hmm. even though their ideology and theology is so far beyond it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think what keeps people is everyone wants to feel like they're doing a good job. Right? Like most people want to know I'm doing a good job. And so if you get thrown into a situation where the lines are very clearly drawn, the map is already charted out for you, you know what you need to do, when, Mm -hmm. how, you know what you don't need to do, when, how, that even though the beliefs, right, about it have like sort of unraveled in your mind, you're able to push that down because Mm -hmm. you don't want to lose the comfort and security of, but this is a this is a path I can take, right? Without this, what, what am I going to do? Like the ground's going to come out from under me. And, you know, I very much fell into that. I think, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get to this at some point, but um, I was eventually due to a deeper understanding of my sexuality, sort of forced to, to, to reconcile the beliefs that had already been failing. Like that's what I keep mm-hmm. saying. It's not, wow. it's not like at that moment shook everything up. It was that, that was the moment that allowed me to acknowledge the deterioration that had already happened, oh, right? Shit. But I didn't leave up to that point because even though that it was crumbling, I was like, it's just, it's what I know. It's what I, I can do a good job. Like I can get pats on the back. I can mm. believe, like, I can feel like I'm doing something right. It doesn't even matter that I, you know, have long lost the magic of it all. Mm. Oh shit. That resonates. That tracks so much too, because if, if you, it's very easy to just kind of say, this is all just part of it. This is just how it is. This is how mm-hmm. things are. And then all those little incongruencies that you notice either theological or how it actually applies in practice, it's kind of easy to just kind of not even really think too much about it. Yeah. I mean, if you, <laughs> if you say busy enough, then you don't have time oh, to be yes. like, the father is the son is the spirit. Oh, I got to get to Craig. I got to get to choir. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you, yeah. and that's, that's part of, I think the the gag, right. With the church is they'll, they'll keep your hands moving 
fast enough so that when you have these moments, it's like, no, 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 just read it. That scripture doesn't make sense. Read a different one, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeremiah 29 11. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things you mentioned, one of the first things you said was like how the church taught us not to trust our own intuition. It's sort of along the same lines of what you said there. Yeah. It's like we, yeah. we, we don't want to become ourselves. We want to become someone who doesn't make other people mad or like we don't want to lean into who we are and then like, oh, that pisses off my pastor now. But that whole mm. intuition thing is exactly to what you're saying. Like not yeah. really, things are already falling down. Well, and that's the wild part, right? Because you sort of take a step back out of this evangelical whatever you want to call it. And um, I don't like calling it a bubble because it is like so much more secure than that. Like mm. that is a fortress. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're right about it's, that. It's a bubble, like a little, <laughs> you know, but people have been trapped in there for a while. So, but it, if you take, get, get some space from that and you start maybe engaging in scripture in a different way or spirituality or whatever you, whatever you're into, you realize your intuition is the game. Yep. Like that's everything. That's what we're talking about when it's like, where is, where is the kingdom? It's, it's here. It's within you. It's, it's all of these things. The most important thing that we have, and this is, you know, strategic, right? The most important thing we have is what the church and very specifically the American, white American evangelical church mm-hmm. seeks to distance us from because that's the most dangerous thing for an institution, right? Um, we we say a lot around here like the church doesn't need thinkers it only needs believers right and so you're not coming to sort of tap in and, and learn you're you're coming to just sort of believe right and mm. get on the path and keep going and you know that's so interesting there, there's been this big conversation that i've noticed more recently in the past few months and a lot of evangelical or or whatever, these sort of like the white American evangelical church mm-hmm. is starting to like poke at a lot of progressive Christianity, deconstructed Christianity, you know, what they call like, like, like the woke Christianity, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is they don't know what to do with it because it, there isn't like a denomination that all of these post evangelical people fall under because we're and, and I think a lot of it is because we're sticking to our own intuition. And so that intuition yeah. can vary from group of people or person to person. And so it, it almost seems like the church just says, don't do that. But they couldn't even tell you like what that is. That is. Yeah. And I think they, I think they can, right. What they're saying is do not trust that voice in your head, telling you whatever it's telling you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? like, mm-hmm. You just don't do it. I, um, I tell my wife all the time. I'm like, it is, shocking to me how many times on in my current therapy journey um that i arrive back at the realization that i'm sometimes afraid to trust myself because i think it will make me a bad person and i am like years and years and years and years deconstructed i am out here i'm like charging crystals and drinking jars of full moon water when i'm stressed like i'm out here (laughs) But that seed was buried so deep that I have to keep unearthing it and keep unearthing it. But that is at the core of of what you're just saying, right? Like the message is, it doesn't matter what is out there. If it's Oprah talking about spirituality, if it's the book, The Secret, because remember when that was the biggest Oprah Christianity in the world? (laughs) No, no, no. How dare you? No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, whatever it is, all I have to do is to get you to disconnect from you. 
and I'll be able to keep my my venue, right? Oh shit. I want to talk about that. You mentioned the venue and and I, you started talking about how you became a mega church person. Um, I would love, (laughs) (laughs) well, I'd love to talk about kind of the church dynamic because you said something that was so interesting and something that we've experienced is that if you're busy enough, like if the wheels are spinning fast Mm -hmm. enough, you rarely have time to take a comprehensive look around or a critical look around. Could you kind of speak to that very like get the machine moving dynamic you experienced? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, what's wild. And it's funny looking back, like you two probably can relate or or see this. If you are like in that world, if you're a church kid and you're growing up and you have any sort of like charisma in any way, they're like, there's a call on your life. You know, (laughs) like all of a sudden, like, you're like, Oh shit. I think called this call just mean charisma this whole time. Yeah. Like literally they're like, (laughs) you seem like you could, carry a room you you, 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 <laughs> not, you need to give me to this. you need to give me a trigger warning before you said call in your life wow <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a my body is having responses <laughs> to that right now dude so as a person with um just general people skills i always was told like there's this you know so um at 26 which is so young at yes, 26 yes. I become a pastor at this church. Now, when I join staff, the church has 800 people. By the time I leave, it has 5,000. And that was over the course wow. of about four years. So this thing was just like a wow. rocket ship to the moon, okay? Like, this was like every church kid's secret Dream. fantasy. Yeah, so, yes, so yeah. like, we're doing like, we're like, you know, magazine articles in the office i'd say the fastest growing church in america you know um but it it was right like it it was so we experienced and i experienced firsthand right the institution catching up to sort of the you know whatever buzz or you know people liked about it um and that that part was shocking right Mm. But it, it was so sneaky um, because it was a slow burn, right? So it wasn't until I fully left that I was like, oh, my God. Like, mm. oh, my God. Because you, it, you, they start adding slowly pieces of it, right? Until you're just like in a meeting talking about an $8 million budget. And there's four of you in the room deciding this. No one's over the age of 35. Like, it was such a mess. And it's starting to, you know, make sense. Like, we're, we're, um, well, I don't even know the word, whatever we're doing with scripture, mm-hmm. right, in a room. Again, same four people. No one over the age of 35. No one in there, myself included, went to seminary. Not that that's, like, a huge marker, but at least, like, give it a shot, you know? <laughs> sure. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was wild to, and then to realize these people have to keep coming back. Yep. So the message, mm. the message from the, from the stage can't be go within yourself, seek it, find it. Try, it has to be, we've got the message, we've got it here and oh, you shit. need it. Hmm. Wow. We experienced that so much. I, I, I think we talked to about like when we were, growing up in church and for the time that we did work at a church and we're on staff at a church, 
it was very much the sort of like, I want you to get every single one of your friends or whenever you're in college, <laughs> yeah. get every one of your classmates or whenever you're mm-hmm. out in the workforce, get all your coworkers, get them out there from out there into here. And it's like, mm-hmm. just like you said, it's like, we hold, we hold the secret sauce, but I hadn't thought about that sort of like, if we send you back to yourself, then you don't really need to be here. And then and our budget to- is no longer $8 million. Exactly. And you have to, this is, this is the part where I'm like, we know for a fact, I am no closer to God than you, than you, than any of the thousands of people who went to that church. But it must seem like this is a true story. This is an actual true thing. For a long time, like after I left that church, I was like, I'll never like talk about it. But and I'm like, what? These things happen publicly. I'm not even like, shitting on it this is the actual thing the pastor at the church like the senior pastor senior pastor oh my god um (laughs) every time before he preaches says the same prayer and in that prayer so he's in front of people with a microphone says god stand in my body speak through my vocal cords and everyone's like cool but i'm like you are doing that to put on a show to remind people that actually you are the one who God's talking to, not them, not oh, themselves. Oh, shit. Isn't that wild? Yeah, like you're literally reminding everyone that what's about to happen is from God. Directly. Yes. Wow. Yes. And then <laughs> you, can't, you can't call the pastor into question because God was well, in man. his vocal cords at that time. <laughs> yeah. And God that was hiding in my is- vocal cords. <laughs> I didn't say that. No, that was. Oh, he said what? I had blacked out. I <laughs> yeah, I blacked out for an hour. I don't, that's weird. Control. <laughs> oh my! But, but that's that's a very explicit representation of what happens subconsciously or just implied most Sundays. Yeah, it's the quiet exactly. part said aloud. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's, and that's that a, is wild. That's the part that's like, man, that that makes so much sense when you're in it, hmm. and it feels so awful when you're out so mm-hmm. manipulative yeah yeah so I, at, at what point sorry adrian to cut you off no no go ahead go ahead but go i'm ahead. going to um <laughs> so at, at what point in 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 the mega church um that four years you were there or afterwards did like you start to see like the edges start to fray and you like that led you to like sort of where you are now yeah i mean that was a lot of it it's upsetting to me even now how many edges were frayed that I didn't let come to the surface mm. prior to even getting there, like in, in college or, or, you know, grad school. But it was really my wife, meeting my wife, she just, I always say she, she was the mirror I needed to, mm. to see yeah. myself. And mm. in seeing myself was able to more clearly see everything around me. Um, because it was this, it was this purity. It was this love. It was like this something I had never experienced that I was I was feeling for her. That felt like, you know, can I not listen to Jaw Rule and that feels like quote unquote worth it? Sure, but when you're asking me to not be with her, mm-hmm. like to not mm-hmm. experience this truest, purest thing I've ever felt, then I was like you know what, this is already going down and I can tell, you know what I mean? It, it, it sort of allowed the, the blinders to come off in a real way, you know? Um, 
that eventually led me to say like this is not this is not worth it. Like everything out there is, is, is worth it. Mm. Wow. I, you, you talk about in your book um, that there were like meetings you would go to and, and the people in the meeting would, would talk about like the yeah. LGBTQ community <laughs> at this, as if they were like the ones who maybe had like the, like the inside scoop or whatever. And you said for the first time, like you were like, oh, so like this is what that feels like. Can you kind of talk about um, that experience for you? Cause I think that kind of ties into what you're talking about meeting Sammy. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> very specifically one meeting I was into, we all got all the pastors on staff got called into a meeting. Um, cause we were the, all the ones who were ordained to, to do weddings. And so there's probably six or seven of us. And, um, you know, because out of the like 40 people on staff, six or seven of us are good enough for a wedding. <laughs> Um, so we were in this meeting and, um, they said, all right, question on the table. What are we going to do if a gay couple asks us to marry them? And I, and at this point I'm, I'm on my way mm -hmm. to like reconciling it all. I'm yeah. like so close. Me, my, I love this woman. She loves me. I'm like deep in therapy about like, how is this going to work as like a, Christian person, you know what I mean? But I, but I'm fully aware that I am a raging homosexual. Like that mm -hmm. is what I know for a fact. So <clears throat> I'm in this meeting and I just, it's one of those moments where a meeting like that would have felt so normal. Hmm, wow. And I was like, one, oh my God, you're talking about me. Hmm. You don't know it. I feel like a fly on the wall and the fly was appalled. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and second i was like can i sleep at night like being a part of this like i'm a part of it was like a, a double like i feel bad for myself and also i am ashamed like you know what i mean like sure it was like y'all are messed up and then i was like i'm in this meeting like you wow. know like, what like a, a weird place wow. that's weird yeah like my feelings were hurt and i was hurt you know, yeah. Like, um, and that was that was the beginning of the end. Um, that was honestly probably a, just a, a week or so before I um quit and made my exit. Man, that is such a I can't imagine that predicament because I, I imagine it, it is very. I, I've you often hear stories of a person who maybe is part of some sort of institution and then maybe like they can align themselves with some like marginalized community. And that's like, it, I'm, I'm out. Or you hear people who are like, I'm a part of that marginalized oppressed community yeah. and I can't get on board. But when you kind of sit in both, especially when it was your thing for so many years, I can't yeah. imagine the turmoil that you must've felt. Well, yeah, you know, and I can tell the story now and be like, yeah, I was a mega church pastor and then I came out and then I wasn't like, but there was a, a large gap of time where both of those were, true and yeah. undoing and um and i you know i would always tell my therapist i'd be like it's not just quitting my job like if i worked at finish line i'd be out you know it's, yeah, it's not yeah. quitting my job <laughs> <laughs> that's why i worked in high school um it's my community mm -hmm. it's my network it's also my opportunity at that point in my life i had worked at two different christian colleges and this church so it wasn't like i was like where else can i even mm -hmm. 
I don't have a path for my life anymore. Like it was my friend. It was just, it felt like everything and all of that, you know, was, was hard to unravel, but it, that meeting <clears throat> sort of, um, and I shared this quote at one point in the book, it's one of my favorite James Baldwin quotes, but he says, I imagine um, the reason people cling so tight to hate is because they fear once the hate is gone, they'll be forced to deal with the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And I get that. Like, what, what do I do? Yes, I'm, now I'm like, yes, go everybody, go. <laughs> be gender non-conforming what there is no gender to conform to you know mm-hmm. all these things but what do i do with the fact that like i like mentored college students and like pushed abstinence on them and like pushed heterosexuality on them and pushed all these things i stood from stages and like pushed this thing on people like i i did that so i don't just get now to evolve and say like oh oh no now i'm over here like that mm-hmm. sucks. That mm-hmm. sucks to know that I was deeply a part of, of people's wounding. And I think what would serve, because if we're going to dish it out, let's dish it out to everybody. I think what would serve a lot of the quote unquote, like progressive woke Christians, whatever you want to call them now is them being more in touch with that reality. Mm-hmm. Like if you can understand that you were, it, it's not just, Oh my God, I read white fragility and now I've like never contributing to anyone's yeah. like you know yeah whatever yeah. it's like man if we could all be more in tune with with the actual pain that comes in evolution mm. i think and we were open about that and we talked about it i think we would treat people different who are on that journey and i think more people would be open um to leaving because what do you do with the fact like one of the pastors we had a pastor eventually come on and he was an, an older gentleman I'm like, man, what do you do if like, I felt bad because I had preached this for four years. What do you do if you have spent 60 years telling men that you are the leaders of your house Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that women need to listen to whatever, like, what do you, God, we've got to have an answer in a place for inviting people into an evolutionary journey that allows them to process that pain. Because that's, I think, why most people don't do it. You don't believe that anymore, but you've said it for so long. You don't have a way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh shit. And, and one thing you like your your book is titled "Worth It." If we haven't mentioned it already, yeah. there it is. Um, and just the title, I'm like, okay, I I have a feeling to be pretty optimistic, and because yeah. "worth it" sounds positive, but you <laughs> yeah, do mention yeah. that you you do mention that part a lot, like the pain associated with having to evolve. Um, yeah. And and. Like one of the quotes that you that you had in there is like the uh, it says I have it right here actually, uh, the ground is shifting and it's okay to let it move you. Mm. Like yeah. It, just that mental picture because like that shift of the ground or tectonic plates if you want to get scientific that's not easy. Nice. Yeah. It's 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 not seamless. Um, mm-hmm. But but the constant reminder you have in your book of that it's worth it at the end of whatever you're going through. Um, yeah. That, I mean important. I didn't even wanted to be a book that was just like hey follow your heart and the rest you know what's that song free your mind and the rest will follow um (laughs) but you know how we ended up coming up with the title was i was saying like i don't think anything is easy Mm -hmm. like 
acquiescing all of your dreams and ideas and goals to like fit into a mold is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and breaking out of that and upsetting people, disappointing people, charting your own path, feeling low, all these things, that's not easy either. I think hard is the price of admission for humanity. I just think that we can choose certain hards that are going to be more worth it. Hell yes. That's that so, so fucking good. <laughs> that just rocked my world right now. That I, I love that. Can you share some of that part of your story? Like once you, mm-hmm. you know, you said like it was about, you had the meeting about a week later, you were like mm-hmm. deuces. Can you talk about the wake of that? <laughs> and then <you laughs> kind of stepping into that? Yeah. Oh man. Well, I had dreamed about it for so long that I, I'm an Enneagram seven, if y'all are familiar yeah. with that. So like, even though I know that things will be hard, like there's still a tiny part of my brain that's like, but no, it won't. But like, what if you're the one person that like, for some reason it's not hard <laughs> every time. Um, no, it was wild. So I left and, and, I, and I did feel amazing. I felt spiritually so free. And when any, mm. anyone, to this day, I have the same answer that I had the, the week after I left when anyone asks what is my faith or my spirituality, I just say, it's just not fragile anymore. It's just mm-hmm. not fragile. Wow. Not, you tell me that God is an, an eagle feather that you burn over your chest, burn it, babe. Like, you know what I mean? I don't, there's, you can't, I, I'm not afraid to look behind a curtain or under a rock and mm. be like, oh my God, it's not real. Um, wow. So that felt so free. But everything else was honestly a huge shit show. So, um, I got a job at Cal State Fullerton and I was, it was a good job. I was the director of the African-American Resource Center because I had done a lot of anti-racism work in my life. And so, but I, I cried every day. I cried mm. to work. I cried from work. I, it just, I was mourning so much. Like the, I felt free, but that did not come without a very real cost. Like friends and oh my gosh everything got got hard I don't know it just Mm. um it was sad it was it was definitely a a big season of mourning um that I had to go through and I'm I'm glad I did because not I feel like if you don't let yourself do that you jump into something else and you know eventually we we became open to communities and we had friends who were on that journey with us um and things started to feel normal again but you know i we have uh, a friend of ours tattoos we all have tattoos um that say 19 it's my wife and then rach um and it's because what i was prepared for was my own loss like in choosing this i was absolutely prepared for for my own loss i will lose friends i will mm-hmm. lose opportunity i will lose community i will lose connections what i was not absolutely not prepared for was for other people to take losses for me. Um, And that, that tore me up in a way I I did not see coming. We had friends um, who left the church right with us. Um, The woman who officiated our wedding, her, her husband was a pastor, was no longer able to be a pastor after she officiated our wedding. He had been a pastor for, I mean, it just felt like we had thrown a boulder into still water and we were just Mm. like, um, watching it but what has been amazing and beautiful and this is you know we've been married now for almost four years but we that same person the husband of uh, of our wedding officiant 
sent us a message, no joke, like three months ago. And we have said that we felt like we throwed a, threw a boulder into still water. We haven't like said that a ton publicly. That's just like what we felt like. And he literally sent us a message and was like, my entire life, I always dreamt of being a firefighter, but like pastor was the only thing I could be. He's like, I just finished like my last, you know, week in academy. And he's like, I felt like I was stuck on a boat with no sails. Mm. And then like a wave like came and I was just like, oh my God, like, I wish wow. I wanted that sooner, but also that is so amazing. <laughs> um, which is just what I believe is like you, you, sh you have to shake up the waters. Mm. And if people try to hold on, they try to hold on. But if they let it move them, they might get to where they need to go too. You know, I've been shaken up by people making decisions and I could choose to move or I could choose to sink my feet in the sand and that's on me. Mm. Wow. It's, it's so interesting how like, what otherwise could have been it what's interesting to me is how any moment you won't know kind of just like you mm -hmm. said like those the how far reaching those ripples are gonna go you know i mean you talked about totally. even, even just like that one meeting you said that you had at the church it almost was like a suddenly like just the floor went out and you were like oh well this was the final straw right or or in their context like even um you dropping that boulder into still water mm -hmm. kind of unlocked a whole other future that maybe this person didn't wouldn't have expected otherwise that's so yeah. interesting i, <laughs> I want to talk about um the process of the actual writing of the book mm -hmm. um i listened to you on another podcast and the name is escaping me and i'll drop it in the show notes because i can't remember and i feel bad for not remembering it um but you said you had been trying to write a book like for like multiple attempts at writing a book so this has been something like in in your bones yes i i've wanted to write a book I can remember being in high school and being like, I'm going to write a book, but um, it was actually special when the book was coming out. I found uh, my wife in our cleaning garage. It was like a little, like when I grow up and yeah. I don't know how old I was, but it said book writer. Oh, come um, on. Dude, on it. That's yeah. great. Like misspelled you know, <laughs> both, both the word book and writer. But, writer, like you're um, writing it like a horse. Yeah. Like, I'm a writer, <laughs> which I still haven't figured out how that works, but um yeah, I've always wanted to, but I, you know, and I've started many, many books, but I just don't think truly I had anything to say. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm glad, right? I'm glad I, I didn't. Um, but it was, it was definitely a journey. A lot of good, well, bad ideas. In, in this book, I just want to, I mean, Yes, I, I'm glad that you waited to write this book because there's one passage in here that I had it and then I lost it. So depending on how long this awkward silence goes I'll just before, start um, reciting the book start to finish. Start, yes, start page uh, worth it. Over <laughs> here we go. Maybe this sounds ridiculous to you, but I guarantee someone is reading this who has never felt like they are allowed to work out in their sports bra. Well, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> that's a that's such a good that's one of my favorite segment that like the best yeah. but you talk about that that sort of embodiment and yeah. and you said at the beginning that you signed a lot of like purity pledges and stuff like that I, it's baked in right this sort of separation from you and your body even beyond intuition but it's like even your physicality you must be divorced from your own physicality and then you can't yeah. ever be surprised why people have like internalized homophobia or they internalize self-loathing and all of those things yeah, and it's it's not even just a, a a disassociation. It's a 
your flesh is evil. Yes. It's weak. Wow, it's yeah. bad. Like it's it's just not even like, hey, just don't think about it. It's like, no, this this thing is inherently evil. Mm-hmm. Um and that was super hard as a woman, as a woman of color, mm. as you know, of all these things to to consistently get those messages and just to feel so disembodied, like in in a in a wild way. And you know, <clears throat> one of the I sat down and I was like, I I feel like I can't write a book that's just like, hey, here's a coming out guide for mega church pastors. Like, it's <laughs> it's probably a bigger market than I think, but yeah, still, probably, yeah, still small, right? How do how do we talk about the thing that you're afraid to step into is where you need to to go, mm-hmm. right? The thing that you don't want to get out of is the thing that's holding you back, and and even going on as a Christian and realizing like our bodies, I was, I don't have one of the stories where I'm like, I knew I was gay at a young age and kept it. I literally, I didn't know I was attracted to women until I was 27 years old. That's (laughs) how freaking disassociated I was with my own body. I mean, hindsight's 2020. I look back and I'm like, Jesus, no one like, and I remember like, so, like telling my my friend in the college right everyone started having sex no one waits anyways <laughs> except for me because and everyone would be like beans how do you do it and i literally part of me just thought like I, am i whole am i better than everyone <laughs> because i am out here i am i'm unsented. keeping it together <laughs> yeah like these boys are at my house and i'm like i want to but god said we can't you know what I mean um but that's how right unfamiliar Mm. with my own body I was that it took me 27 years to to figure out my own sexuality um and Jesus the layers of body and women and internalized homophobia and fat phobia and just general good god you know right it's it's deep And like one of the things you said at the beginning was like the institution, like the $8 million budget. And Mm -hmm. and I don't, I mean, I'm certain that some churches and pastors do it consciously, but like subconsciously, like in another quote from your book is that like the best way, like if you keep a wedge between, oh, sorry, the best way to keep a wedge between you and your enemy or your neighbor is to keep that wedge between yourself. And that's what the church does. Like, like you said, it's not like, okay, you're, your body kind of stinks. No, it's evil. It's horrible. Yeah. And this, these two people from long ago in this origin story messed it up for you. So now you pay the price. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, we, I think it was like 600 years ago. <laughs> yeah. According to, we <laughs> yeah, can't believe like, soil samples <laughs> because yeah. scientists are Satanists or something like that. <laughs> but it's weird to be talking about it now. Like I'm in my mid thirties, but it's scary to hear like kids say that. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. my, my daughter goes to a Christian daycare because it's cheap and next to my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we went over it in one podcast, but she asked me like, is everyone going to go to heaven? Because in, at school or daycare, we learned that you have to love God to live forever. Like, you're like, I'm oh like, my. and how old is Emma? She's Six? four. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Starts and early. so on so many levels, I was like sad for my daughter sad for like myself and like our experience that, that we had to go through that. But, and the, but thankful that I was kind of there, but also like sort of to the point you made earlier, like all those other people that I've pushed that message on. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. like in that moment, it all kind of hits you like, oh shit, I'm glad to be on this side of things. But my God, there's just so many people that I led astray, if you want to use that term. Mm-hmm. It's nice, nice. It's just, it's just weird to think about. Well, and that's why I like, you know, I firmly believe that like our work is our work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, something that bothers me, which neither of you asked them, and I'll just tell you anyways. Great. Something that kind of bothers me. Go around and tell this. me one thing you hate. This is the opposite of Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. What bothers you, Britt? So you want me to like take a dump on the church? I absolutely can, and I will continue that critique um, as we move into these progressive circles. Something that bothers the crap out of me right now is so we all grew up in this like purity culture moment, right? Which was. There are things you can and can't do. If you do the things you can't do, you're out of our freaking club. Like mm-hmm. you have sex, you smoke cigarettes, you drink a 40, I don't know, whatever, you're out. Uh, if you do all those together, that's the trifecta. Yeah, exactly. Straight to H-E-L-L. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're too cool. And we, I, I don't know that enough of us have done our own work to mm. get at what the root of that is. And in not doing our own work, we have carried that narrative and just replaced the items and the list. Like if I hear, I literally have a friend. She posted uh, during everything this summer that was going on. uh, She posted 10 steps to non-optical allyship. And I said, cool. Like, what does that mean to you? And she was like, I don't know what it means. Everyone is sharing that. I was like, cool. Here's what we're doing now. We have created a social dust justice circle that is literally purity culture. Here are mm. the words you can't say. Here are the words you can't Let's say. Here are the go. books you need to know. Here are the things you need to not oh, know. And if you step out of that, you're out of a freaking club. That mm. tells me you haven't actually done your work. You are taking the framework of the only thing you know. Mm. You don't like those words anymore. So you're putting different words and actions and items into the same framework. That's mm. not the work. The work mm. is not a different purity culture, but it's about anti-racism. No, that's not the work, right? The work is getting in touch with that pain, with that undoing, and inviting more people on that same evolutionary journey. That's your work. If you're still hurt, that's what you're going to bring. If you're transformed, that's what you're going to do. If you're evolved, that's what you're going to invite. And if we don't do our own work, bitch, you're just doing a different church. Wow. A different God. I, I don't, I don't have any, okay, both of our hands are in Mike the air drop. because we surrender to her genius. Britt, we surrender to your genius. <laughs> no, that's just, God damn. That's, that's beautiful. That's yeah. so. It's on the nose. It's beautiful. And you talking earlier too, just to kind of bring it into this, is that like reconciling with the harm that you caused, that you perpetuated. Like Josh and I talk about this all the time on the show. Mm-hmm that we'll, we'll like pull a sound clip from like a pastor talking about a particular topic, right? And often what we find is like, yeah, this is ridiculous and it's upsetting and it's, and it's fucked, but, and this is the same stuff that we would spout and just completely just regurgitate. Totally. And that speaks to what you said, the sort of like, all I'm here to do is just take what this like cishet white guy said, God said, mm-hmm. and then I'm just gonna just kind of regurgitate it to everyone around me at, without ever taking the time to process and just like you said that's just a whole that's just another fundamentalism yeah and 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 that's what we're gonna see right and that's what you know i folks who grew up in the evangelical church 
I, I think deconstruction is one of the most important things we could do. Not so that we can reconstruct and become Christians or keep our faith. It's just important that you are able to undo some of that so that you just don't take the same thing with different words to, to the next place you go. Right. It's mm. just the, the, the only way out is through. Right. So mm. you can't just wake up one, like grow up in the church and you wake up one day and you're like, and I never look back anyways. <laughs> Now I'm on the PTA, and if they don't show up, they're not. In. You're like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like you, you know, you have to. There has to be some undoing of what's what's been done, mm. and that's mm. that is our own responsibility. Um, and I, I think if more of us take it as that, we'll see a lot more transformation. And it's what's interesting is that it's so much easier to just kind of go, well, you know, like, I don't like this aspect of it. So I'm like, but I, you know, and then you just kind of can find, I don't know, another uh, denomination or another club or another um, kind of thought system. And you're like, well, I align closer to this and I just need to have somewhere to go to. And it's easier to do that because it doesn't require you to constantly process your own motives and your own backstory as to why you're approaching something in a certain way. Exactly. Exactly. And we all know when we see that and we know when we do that, right? It's, it's the classic, you can't be single, right? So mm. you went through a very traumatic breakup and then you're like, hey, I met someone. You're like, girl, what? That was yesterday. You know? <laughs> sure, sure. Now, one of the things you, you, you mentioned in your book, and you've said the word multiple times here, there's evolution, like growth, change, and evolution like are foundational to being human. And that's Mm -hmm. like, uh, that's a story that Richard Rohr talks about. Like we are expected to grow up and to mature in all these ways. When it comes to our spirituality, if we ever do that with that, everyone like slaps their hand, like, nope, you have to believe in the virgin birth. And Jesus was definitely God. And this book that's been passed through a thousand hands is definitely real. But seeing like seeing that again in your book written through your words, I'm like, it's just a, a, it's a reminder, like seeing your faith and your journey as an evolution like allows you to grow and to be uncomfortable. And and instead of just saying deconstruction, which sounds like just taking a hammer to a drywall, which is fun. Yeah. But but evolution is just more like there's work behind it to do. Hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, no, you know, and I'm not saying, Hey, the the megachurch pastors are the real victims, but you know, it's pretty unfair to put people in a position where their entire livelihood rests on the fact that they never evolve theologically, mm, spiritually, ideology, yep. ideologically, um, right? It's a tough place to be. Like I was there as a as a person with no family, um, didn't own a home, like, you know what I mean? All these things. And, and I'm not saying that that's, they're out. What I'm saying as a human, I can understand how unfair it is to hand a 26-year-old a bunch of money, power, and responsibility and say, mm-hmm. hey, the only thing we need from you to keep this, to keep it all, the only thing we need from you, 25-year-old, never grow spiritually. <sighs> You're like, oh, man, you know? 
And, and in the moment, you're like, uh, okay. Sounds and, great. Yeah, sure, I yeah. guess. I, I know everything and everything's right. So what's there? What's <laughs> yeah. going to change? And I, I imagine it's like, I don't know. I imagine if you were like a, a child actor, like a child star or, you know, like, like Dustin Diamond, I believe yeah. he just passed away. Like he was so known for being Screech. And they're like, we just really kind of need Screech right now. Like we just want you to keep kind of screeching it up. And it's like, yeah. well, that's not fair to him. And it's not fair to anyone else who could be, you know what I'm saying? So there is that feeling of like, we need you to be kind of frozen in time in this yeah. persona of yourself. And that's kind of what we need from you. Um, and let's not change that. Yeah. And even if you watch, like there are some, you know, and we even had these, these conversations. Um, there was a meeting every single week. I can't remember the name of it, but it was whoever was preaching that week. All of the speaking pastors would be in the meeting together and basically like kind of workshop the sermon together. And, and truly um, the, the senior pastor at, in one point he said, Hey, like a few months from now, I want to drop this idea. So we need to think about how to get everyone ready for that idea. So we're three months out on dropping a new idea. And what we're going to do is we're going to start, right? It's like the Kim Kardashian thing. Like Kim Kardashian didn't just like show up one day and everything about her was different. It was like, if you're following along, it's like, oh, she has extensions. Oh, she gets her lashes done. Oh, she's doing her makeup in this, right? It's this, it's over this time, mm -hmm. right? So even, even as these, these pastors, I think, evolve, they have, they know that they can't. So they're like, man what's the slowest way i can heat up this water yeah, yeah. Brit, so that people look up one day and we're like you know <laughs> doing something different Brit, i would love to share a story uh <laughs> yeah. so josh and i used to work at a southern baptist church like a very mm. like khakis and chinos and side parts you know nice. and uh, -huh. uh i was easily the, the brownest person on the stage or anything <laughs> yes. and so they had this thing with like now the lead pastor wants to start preaching with the tv behind him but we don't want to startle our congregation of just suddenly having a tv so what they did was for probably six months yeah. they put the tv at the edge of the stage <laughs> <laughs> and when i say monopoly style just one thing to the right until eventually it just was behind him one day <laughs> Like, that's literally, exactly what you said. no, that's it. That's what we're doing. Yes. That's literally what we're doing is we're saying, no, everything about this place rests on the predictability of this one yeah. man up front. If he becomes unpredictable, they leave, the money's gone, we become unpredictable. So we mm -hmm. are going to move this TV one inch <laughs> at a time so we don't startle someone. Like, it's, it's bonkers. And you mm -hmm. wonder why pastors lose their freaking mind and do yeah. all this crazy wild stuff. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, girl, it, it's, it's, and you know what? Let's, let's be real. 95% of pastors are just like people who wanted to be celebrities and couldn't. And so they made their own venue. Yes. Yep. That's fine. Yes. We were joking. Me and my friend were joking the other day that, they all just created their own venue and there's a one drink minimum and the drink is blood. Um, <laughs> but like, I think, you know, pass, I will say most pastors I know, if you walked up to them today and you were like, Hey, I will give you the Hollywood career of your dreams. All you have to do is tell me God doesn't exist. They'd be like, God who? Like in a oh, yeah. scheme of like, smoke. yeah. 
But I will say that we have, you know, because they treat themselves much like celebrities, we have in turn treated them much like celebrities, mm-hmm. right? In, in, in the standards and the, you know, in, in, the, in the way that we don't want them to change. We like when you did that thing. We didn't like when you do that thing. Oh, you wore this kind of suit. Oh, I'm going to send you 50 emails. Like it's, it's a fascinating world. And it's funny you talk about, you mentioned a boulder in still water and it's like, yeah, like we made this water still. Like we were the ones that like wouldn't ever, like the whole point was to keep the water still. So that was like, we made that, you know, that's so crazy. I would love to talk about, you said something that I absolutely loved um, earlier. You said that your faith is no longer fragile. And that is one of the most, uh, that was so well said because that, that put language around something that I couldn't put, you know, I couldn't land on. Um, what is, what has stopped you from totally just throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Cause we talk to people on all kind of different spectrums of their mm-hmm. own faith shift, their own evolution. Right. Um, Some people who are like, I don't want to have anything to do with any semblance of Christianity or any sort of systematic religion or anything like that. And there are other folks who are saying like, no, there's actually kind of something here. Could you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, I guess what I I think I have thrown the baby out with the bathwater and then kind of been like, Hey, there's some good parts of that baby. (laughs) Good bones back. No, I think it, in my personal journey, I I don't think anyone would call me a Christian mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if they, they got an insight. Um, and I think in my in my process of, of deconstructing and reconstructing, and I had the opportunity to be a pastor for a few years at a church called New Abbey in LA. Um, and it's freaking the most fantastic place. Like anyone who is in that space of like Christianity, I, I've been hurt and I want, I don't know what to do. I want to go sort of go on this journey. It's just the absolute best place in the entire world. And I think being there allowed me to sort of say, great, I can take this or leave it. I don't feel, mm-hmm. I don't know that I feel particularly tied to the, the teachings or, or, or the ideas as, as primary or only. Um, but I do feel very confident in being able to frame them in, and understand them in a transformative, I think, healthy way for the people in my life who may need that, for me when I need it um, in conversations. But it, I wouldn't say that it's what my spirituality is, is resting on in any way. So I don't know. I guess it it's there, but it's, it's not in the driver's seat, I guess. Got it. Cool. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for that. What's really beautiful is that that's a valid answer. Oh yeah. Because it's your answer. But now back in church world, you have to line up with whatever points of something your denomination believed in. Yeah. Um, And then back to what you were saying, Adrian, like this sudden push by evangelicals to say, all these, all these progressives, like, yeah, there's a lot of us, but we don't know what we believe in. Yeah. We're we're not a monolith. Yes. Yeah, totally. Right. And that's, that's the best part. Right. And that's my favorite thing is that, you know, I was again, just having breakfast with a friend and he's sort of on a similar journey, but not. And, and he was like, you know, but I still very much am like hold to Jesus as like this person. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, 
and then we kept eating breakfast. You know what I mean? Like, there's not this, <laughs> yes, right, right. There's there's nothing about that that has to be um, one way or the other. I I one of my favorite sermons I got to preach. I know Abby, we did this thing where just anyone could ask a question, and then that would be the sermon. Um, and so someone asked, "Is it important to believe in a literal resurrection?" Like they were taught, like you, the, you can only call yourself a Christian if you believe that Jesus literally rose from the dead. Mm. And I kind of was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, if you believe that, go off. Like if you don't believe that, but what might this story be telling us? Mm, like, yeah. could there be something in this story that is telling you, mm. even after the worst thing that could ever happen to you, you will find life. Mm. after the worst heartbreak maybe you'll find love after the the most intense fear you might find some freedom after oppression there might be gates that open after that wound after that sorrow you might find joy like if this whole story is just a metaphor to tell us that that's amazing and if you want to believe that literal and metaphorically just as a metaphor just as an idea of experience, it doesn't matter to me. And it shouldn't matter to anyone. And and that's the part, you know, where I still feel passionate about being able to at least be in these conversations with folks who are in this and say, what if it's saying this? Mm. Isn't that amazing? And now that might free up some of this, like, oh my God, am I a Christian if I don't believe in the resurrection? Who cares? Do you believe that you've made it through every hard day you've ever had and not saying something, you know? Oof. Damn. Come on now. Man, it, it's, it's tough. I, I got to admit this, Britt, is that it's anything that coming from church and I don't even know how I identify. I try not to these days and it changes mm-hmm. from day to day depending on the mm-hmm. day I've had, right? Yeah. But <laughs> there, there is still like this sort of like prickly feeling if anything feels remotely churchy my first mm-hmm. instinct is just knee jerk reaction. Get it off me. Like just like yeah. throw it away from me. Like it's a, like a, like a tarantula or something that I found mm-hmm. on my jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you saying this, it makes me feel like it, it's a way for me to maybe kind of smell some of grandma's cooking again. And it's like, it's not, it's like, Oh, okay. I can kind of yeah. hang out. I can kind of hang out in this space. Um, and I think that some of the work that you do is kind of like help just let everybody like kind of be like, okay, we're going to calm down. <laughs> right. We're all fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thank you for saying that. Um, but, it, you know, I think folks can sense if I needed you to believe that, you would know. You could tell. Like if I needed you to believe me, it would be because I needed to believe me. And I needed you to let me know that that was okay. And anytime you're giving a message like that, someone's going to know. If I'm just literally saying, I find this fascinating and encouraging, and I don't care if you do, you, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's, it's non-threatening, right? But most of the church messages we've heard is like, I'm, I'm going to scream this until the vein in my head pops out because I'm not sure if it's true. So like, mm. I'm, I'm looking at you to believe it. Because if I can get enough people to believe it, then it it can help me sleep at night, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know we're coming up on time and I want to be respectful of your time, Britt. Um, could you give, there, there are so many people that listen to the show and I know that they are going to, one, they're going to buy the book because everyone needs to buy the book. And also, <laughs> and, and also I know they're going to resonate with so much of your story, especially folks who are like 
career Christians, you know, Mm because I think that is something that so many of of people that we interact with, that's a very common through line. Um, Could you share some advice that you would give to someone who is maybe like just going through what you went through, like in your story, like early on when you started to realize like, what is this? How do I feel about this? That sort of turmoil we discussed, like, Mm -hmm. do you have any advice or, or anything that you would offer? Yeah, I mean, general life advice for anyone in any season is is don't turn away from something just because it's hard and the something that my dad used to do when we were growing up which was the freaking worst um which i will do now um (laughs) he would never let us say i don't know if it Mm. was a question about ourselves so what do you want to eat how do you feel about that you know anything like that like i don't know you do you either don't want to say or it's an uncomfortable feeling um, and so the, the, the gift we can all give to the world is to trust ourselves, is to get to know, get comfortable. And anytime I feel like, I don't know, like you don't know what you feel about something or you don't know, it's either because we, we don't want to say it or it's an uncomfortable feeling, go to that place. Like my number one tip in developing a post-evangelical ideology listen listen Mm. to yourself Mm. you know you know i even at a very progressive place like new abbey you know i have friends that are like i think i I, i'm here because i want to be here but also because i can like tell people that i still go to church though you know what i mean there's this like you know it's it's not about the act or what you believe or what you don't believe like you could still believe all you could still believe that jesus was born from a virgin and and adam and eve are actual people um but you'll know why you're doing it and and what it means to you if i if i could bop everyone on the head and give everyone a gift it would just be to trust that voice that is in you because that is spirit that is god and if at any point you feel like god is who you want to get closer to then turn inward because that's where you're going to find it if you all aren't going to Amazon or Audible <laughs> and buying the book right now. Turn this off. Turn us off. Get the fuck out of my life. Get out of our life. <laughs> Dude, I, was honestly, nice. I didn't know you were going to go with that. <laughs> I feel like you guys uh, brought out the, the, the preacher in me a little bit. Really I mean, fun. I haven't been to church in a minute, Britt, so yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. I, I, I need some yeah, little neither. punches on my church card. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Good. I got uh, you. I'm yeah. a day, so they can. Perfect. Yeah. So if people want to, come on, let me do something around. I'm sorry. I'm over talking. I fucking talk too much. Uh, Yeah, I I think I'm the one who talks the most here. If anyone is, yeah. But this this episode's about you, not about Adrian. So it's really not. I promise. (laughs) Despite what I am trying to make happen, it's not about me. I'd also like to be invited back for Adrian's roast. (laughs) No, no. I'm a fragile (laughs) Adrian. Four. I couldn't. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. <laughs> I'd no. be like, that's not my true self. Y'all don't know my true self. Yeah. That's, that's it's an Adrian one. toast and a Kevin roast. There. Oh, <laughs> that's going to happen. All right. Kevin, if you're listening. <laughs> yes, I know. So oh, sorry. back on track. Sorry. No worries. You're good. You're good. Um, if people want to connect with you, how can they find you? What are your social media handles? All that good stuff. Yep. You can find me on Instagram at Brit Baron with one T and two R's. You cannot find me on Twitter because that's where people go to complain. And um, BritBaron.com, 
you can get worth it wherever you get books. Heck yes. Awesome. Britt, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for writing this book. It was absolutely incredible. Everyone's going to love it. We just thank you so much for your time and thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for hanging out. What a great conversation. Yeah, there were some things um, in her book and then we talked about in the interview, like her mentioning like the human experience is hard. Yeah. And uh, I've heard this said a lot, but once she said it, it clicked like the only way out is through. Like we, we, we stayed in the church or some people stay and I, I know I did, but some people choose to stay in the church because it's comforting because you're already there and you're accepted and you have your goals and stuff. But her depiction in the book and her telling in the, in the interview as well about her being in that meeting when they're talking about whether or not they should do uh, marriages for same-sex couples. I'm like, oh, like we that had was, that conversation yeah, yep. in a staff meeting and her realization that they're talking about her. Yeah. That gave me, like, it gives me chills saying it now and, and talking to her and interviewing. I'm like, what the, f- that is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it reminds me of, one of the biggest parts of my deconstruction and, and my faith change was becoming affirming mm-hmm. of LGBTQ plus folks. And, and, and I think the biggest thing for me was like, cause I was listening to a podcast and, and they were like, they were talking about kind of affirming and, and being affirming. And they're like, well, how many gay friends do you even have? Mm. Cause it's one thing to talk about like this entire group of people this entire community of folks when you're sitting outside of it with zero stake in it you know but when you're actually like looking at a person and you're like how can you possibly if you come from a christian context how can you possibly look at this person in the face and say they're not loved by god and in the image of the divine you know and so um her when her when she was saying that i was like oh my god like it's just so um it's so true of like honestly like just a bunch of like pastor dudes who have so much to say about things that they have zero skin in the game mm-hmm. concerning, you know? Um, so her talking about that, her talking about, I love the, I um, like the imagery of a boulder and still water. Cause that's what it feels like. Like when you go through a faith change, you feel like everything was fine more or less comparatively. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just go through a faith change. You leave your church or in her context, right? You like, you come out and all these things that happen, and like your whole life is different. And yeah. and of course it, she's in a place now where she's like, thank God. Right. Because of her relationship with Sammy it was worth all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that has so much to do with kind of where sh- her book came from to a degree. Um, like saying all of that is worth it in the end. Um, so it, it was both like great. I, I will say folks, like at a certain point, like I was like fanboying like really hard. Oh, yeah. Oh <laughs> my God. I was like gushing. I was like, you're amazing. Yeah. You're yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so, sorry for for kind of nerding out, um, but it was worth it. She was just so great to speak to, and she's such a a great she's such a great human being, you know. Yeah, it was interesting the way she described her relationship with Sammy, and like she knew, like Sammy was for her because she, like it's, she said something along the lines of like she was the mirror like that she needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like so many of the conversations we've had or people we've interacted with have been that for me like people even saying, or just like I recently started um, talking to uh, Emma. So shout out Emma in Sweden. Um, and she was sharing her experience after something we posted. And um, it's just crazy. Like her talking about her church experience, like uh, affirmed me. I'm like, yeah, like it's not just the American church. It's like the church in general. 
And so I I think finding those people that allow you to hold that mirror up to yourself and be like, yeah, uh, you can see the good and the bad and you can see why your story is important and and why you are important. Yeah. And Um, you're like, I'm not crazy. Super important. Yes. It's very, very important to surround yourself with those people. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so much of what Britt said, like you said, at a certain point, like, how about you just take the podcast and you run with it? <laughs> I know. I was um, like, because just she take was over. so damn good. Yeah, it was so much fun. It was, yeah, so much it was fun. a good time. Really good time. So thank you, Britt. Britt appreciate Barron. you. Also, the, your your intro song happens to be one of my daughter's favorites. Hey. So um, if that means anything to you, Britt. So. so what do we have, last but not least, on the docket? I don't know. Uh, we got to find another word besides docket because I, f- I feel like I need to be no, wearing I, a robe. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying docket. Um, uh, I don't even know what a docket is. Okay. Well, the thing is, folks, we live in 2020. uh, What? 2021. And I can can just Google things. No, it's impossible. Docket. A calendar or list of cases for trial or people having cases pending. Or a document or label listing the contents of a package or delivery. So it's like a package slip. So in the context of Hellcourt, it's actually perfect. A docket. We're so good. We're fucking good, man. We're like on the okay, Merriam-Webster. Get the fuck out of here. I got to focus on the show. What's a thesaurus? Is there like a similar word like thesaurus of docket? Do you know what people really love? It's just the awkward silence of me (laughs) furiously (laughs) searching things. (laughs) A docket thesaurus um, document. Ooh, this is a new word. I will spell it out to you, and you tell me how you think it sounds. Please go. C H I T. Chit. (laughs) That's another word for docket. A chit. What is the definition of chit? Oh, we're going down a rabbit hole. <laughs> it's a short official note memorandum or voucher, typically record, recording a sum owed. Does it have like a phonetic pronunciation? Jesus died for your chit in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, this is definitely some good chit. This, what? Is, this is the vocabulary portion of this This is the vocabulary moment. Uh, this vocabulary moment brought to you by chit. That that I just learned a new word. This is all, this this is is, all worth yep. it. Worth it. Hey. It's worth it. All let this me, chit let me is work worth it. it. <laughs> My thing down, flip, flip it, it and reverse it. it. Uh, so what is uh, what do we have next on the chit? <laughs> I was going to see if you're going to say chit. <laughs> what if I said dock it again? You're like, God damn dock it. it. <laughs> Stop, dock it. Okay, we're, we're procrastinating. It's Sip Smoke Read. You know what it is. Give me that chit chit. <laughs> Sounds really. I feel uncomfortable. Give me that chit chit. Do you like it better if I said just give me your docket? <laughs> I don't like that better. I like that worse. What's on the docket? <laughs> so AJ- first of all, say it like saying anything like that is just the worst. <laughs> I'm feeling great. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Anything. <laughs> Anything you say. I'm going to go brush my teeth. <laughs> Don't like <laughs> Anything that. Anything sounds bad. Yeah, you definitely. That it's all in you end up. Great. So, Adrian, what you've been sipping, smoking? Well, you can't smoke because your lungs have failed you. Yep. <laughs> what you've yeah. been sipping, not smoking, reading, what you've been enjoying, Yeah. getting you through um, this fifth month of the year 2021? Yeah. Well, um, I'll start with more of an anecdotal experience because it has to do with a thing that I own. So for my birthday in March, I was gifted a pair of sunglasses by Warby Parker. Voice. Specifically, the Harris model. They were like super cool. I say they were, they were super cool. <laughs> past tense. Uh, past tense. Because um, on this past Saturday, we went to um, the beach and 
it was kind of overcast. It wasn't rainy. It was just kind of overcast. And so the water was cold and really, really choppy. And so I was just kind of like hiding in the tent. Uh, and then we decided we were going to leave relatively shortly. And I was like, man, what a waste that I couldn't even jump in the water. Get your Baywatch moment Couldn't even on, get my dude. Baywatch moment, like my Hasselhoff in. And so then like almost on cue, like the clouds kind of parted and it was like really sunny all of a mm-hmm. sudden, really hot. And I was like, I looked over at Alyssa. I was like, I need to jump in the water. Otherwise I'm going to feel like it was a wasted trip. Yeah. So I literally just get up, just run into the waves, not realizing I had my sunglasses on my face, really. Uh-oh. And then, and, and, and to be fair, I have gone into the ocean and into pools with my sunglasses on. So that could have been why I didn't really consider anything. I kind of like jump into the water, immediately get pummeled by one of the waves I was talking about. I pull my head out of the water, sunglasses, gonzo. And <laughs> so what's the deal? With Warby Parkers, more like Warby Swimmers. Oh, oh, sorry. God damn it. Warby Swimmers. Hey. Thank you, thank you. No, seriously, that folks. That sucks, dude. It really That's... sucks. I'm so sad. <laughs> so now I have to like spend my own money instead of my, my birthday present. So I have to like buy my another pair of sunglasses. So well, first world problems. First world problems for jumping sure. into the ocean. <laughs> so like, I just realized how mad that people that story made people because people are like fucking freezing still in may it's like 30 <laughs> like, degrees like, oh sorry so you lost sorry you. your birthday free glasses <laughs> in the ocean oh, in the under ocean the sun in miami Ooh, what a rough life with pitbull <laughs> mr <I'm>, worldwide <laughs> fuck you get out no one gave you that title dude i'm just gonna call myself mr fucking mr universe yeah that's like arnold schwarzenegger oh yeah yeah what else uh so one thing that was fun, we got to be guests on a podcast. Oh. And folks, I know you've been wondering, you've been keeping your ears to the ground, you've been following up with us. We went head to head with Good Christian Fun on their turf, people. Yeah, so they had us on their podcast. It was outstanding. That was so there Kevin and Caroline, thank you if you're listening to this. Maybe They're not. I don't know, think so. I wouldn't. Thank you. That was so good. If you guys yeah. haven't listened to it, um go give it a listen. If you could just keep spamming that, uh, just like, oh my gosh, DRCK with GCF, well, you yeah. should, that'd be great. It was a good, it was a, it was a, good a time. classic crossover event in yeah. true Avengers fashion. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we talked about My Friend So Long, the single by DC Talk, which was honestly the soundtrack to my middle school life. Uh, so yeah, really, really great. Yeah. I watched Mortal Kombat. You talked about it last yeah. uh, episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much what you would expect not without its flaws, certainly, but sometimes you just want to watch something kind of dumb. I I think of it similar, not quite as good, but very similar to Pacific Rim. Yeah. Where it's like, it is a world, it is immersive, people are bought into it, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I liked it. Uh, I'm, I tried a new beer. It's uh, from a brewer uh, called Heretic. Okay. And um, our buddy Chris turned us on to it, and he got us a six-pack, which I then repurchased recently, called Juicier Than Thou. Oh, gosh. Juicier Than Thou. It's yes. like a hazy IPA, New England style, which is right it's like a in my wheelhouse. IPA. Please stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Chit-chit. <laughs> I hate myself. It's like a code word to <laughs> meet in the bathroom. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, and then last but not least, I um, discovered a new uh, YouTube channel, Um it's a YouTuber by the name of Brandon Manancio, and he is a watch YouTuber, um, but he's also like a videographer, and like all of his stuff is like 80s-tastic, so he, so oh, he like, he like cool. reviews watches, which I nerd out about, but he's done in a way that's like 
like a ton of like 80s music mm-hmm. and like retro sunglasses. It's really fun. Um, yeah, so that's really cool. It's always fun when you find a new YouTuber and you're like, and there's a lot of videos here Catalog, and I baby. can just disappear yeah. down the rabbit hole. So yeah. That's really cool. Yep. That is it for me, good sir. What have you been sipping, smoking, reading? So um, I'll start with Costco has this mojito mix. Mm. And it's basically like a little can. And then all you do is pour the can into a cup. And then you add your rum and some ice and then any extra lime or whatever. How is it? It's great. But then if you put it in a blender and then blend it all up, it's fucking phenomenal. Hell yeah. So that was something that was in our house for maybe a week and it was gone. <laughs> um, so that was something we everyone was enjoying. If you were at my house, you got a mojito little mixer thing. It was great. Um, and I'm not really a mojito guy. But when it's that easy, it's just a can oh, and yeah. some rum. Hell yeah. Sign me up. So thank you, I'm going to need Costco. to come over for mojitos. Yeah, I need to go buy some more. I, uh, I got to go beg, borrow, and steal. Um, also, an interesting game that I played before and I've dived into, dove into again. Um, you can find it uh, uh, You can find it on the internet, guys. Is this a new thing that Al Gore invented? Um, uh, but it, it's called Pony Island, and I don't want to give too much away. It sounds really stupid and childish. The game is very, very good. It's on um, uh, Steam if you have like a Steam account or whatever. If you go to Google and type it in, you can buy it straight from the website. It's not a like PC-heavy game. You don't need a crazy gaming laptop. You can play it on just about anything because the graphics are like really 8-bit and pixely and stuff. It's very cool, very meta, definitely in my wheelhouse, and I know why I liked it before, but now playing it again, like, oh, my God, this is almost perfect. Hell, yeah. Um, if I could be distilled into a video game, I'm pretty sure I would just melt into that. <laughs> Um, so if you, if you need something to waste a couple hours on and really just be weirded out, Pony Island is spelled exactly how it sounds. Look for it everywhere. It's an indie game. So you'd be supporting a really small team, um, of which I'm not a, um, benefactor of. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I wish I was, um, also now this is where I'm going to spend most of my time. Do it. Lock and key. Yeah. It's a show on Netflix and also a graphic novel series. So, my birthday was last month, and I asked, uh, I made a list of things, and my mother-in-law, I'm like, hey, just lock and key would be great. I heard it's a good series. She bought me every single book. Hell yeah. I'm like, you, she sort of made your points. I read through all the books. They really? They are so, it was so good. I don't want to give away too much. It's just very, very good. The storytelling is great. The characters are amazing. The arc is so, so it's six books. The first two are the setup. Um, the second two are kind of like the story's really moving and the last two are like the climax and the prologue. It's very well set up. Cool. And I, I devoured them, loved them. I'm going to read them again because it's just very, very good. The art style is beautiful. Uh, it's a like kids and mysteries and weird supernatural stuff. And some, some panels are just like you open the next page and it's like, you have to spend a couple of seconds just taking it in because it's overwhelming. Nice. So I finished it and people, uh, I posted it on my Instagram. People were like, oh, you should watch a Netflix show. I'm like, okay. So I tried. First 30 minutes, I shut it off. No. They gave away a plot point in the first 30 minutes that no. they didn't talk about till like the third or fourth book. Oh, boy. And I was, I've never gotten so mad at a piece of media in my life. I wish someone, <laughs> there was someone in my house for me to scream with. <laughs> um, but I would suggest picking up the graphic novels you can purchase them on like the comic apps as well and read them from your phone or your device it is so good don't watch i mean you can watch the show if you want to 
um, I would read the books. They're great, super easy to dive into. If you've never read graphic novels and you're looking for like a gateway into it, definitely suggest that. Nice. Um, but yeah, I was so pissed, dude. Like they just gave through this, what, one minute exposition, this whole entire storyline that they built over two books. Oh my God. It'd be like Harry Potter, like, you're a wizard, Harry, and Snape kills Dumbledore. Yeah, hey, you're a wizard, and then there's Hagrid, and then there's going to be an owl here, and then there's going to be two Dumbledores. That's kind of meta. Don't worry about that. Snape looks kind of bad. He might be, question mark, he's not. He's great. Um, <laughs> it's just, and and, uh, and you bring up Harry Potter. There's also like a glaring like characters that they leave out of the movies just because they can't. Sure. But like this is a Netflix series. You have time. Yeah. You can stretch this out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I wish I liked it because the, the actors in it, I'm sure in the Netflix show, I'm nothing against them, but man, um, it really made me mad. I really pissed I me tell. off. I can tell. Um, but yeah, man, the lock and key, I can't, I could just talk about it forever, but no one gives a shit. Um, if you do give a shit, uh, DM me and we can talk about it and then we can also <laughs> argue about it, um, with the Netflix show. But, um, yeah, I think that's the end of my sip smoke reading. Is there anything else? Sipping, smoking, drinks? Not smoking much. I mean, I'm smoking clove cigarettes when I mow the lawn. Hmm. If that's a thing, I'm like a poser dad. That's not a poser dad. Aren't like cloves like poser cigarettes? I that's heard what workaholics told me that. I, show. I did hear that cloves are kind of like try hard. That's what I kind of. But you know what people said? Like those acid cigars that are like really flavorful and like yeah. like have tea infused in them. Yeah. Like cigar aficionados, like those are poser cigars. I'm like, well, I like them. I think in their mind, it's like. If you have like a really good single origin coffee yeah. and someone pours like a cinnamon bun flavored creamer into it, you're like, why are you doing this? It's so good so. by itself. So I, I imagine a person who's like, I live, breathe, and die cigars. I just stick them up my butt because I love the flavor or whatever it is. If they take like t- like cigaring really, really serious. Is that is that how you measure how people take things seriously? They shove them up their butt. To me, I take things, the, the things I put up my butt, I take them the most seriously. <laughs> chit chit, baby. <laughs> We're unraveling. Listen, we're unraveling. God bless America. God bless Britt Barron. Thank you so much for being on the show, Britt. That was great. Guys, follow her on her social media account. She shouted them out at the end there. Also, pick up her book. Like I said, short book, easy read, but super, super good. Mine is underlined and highlighted. It looks like First John used to look in my Bible when nice. it's highlighted with the different color tabs and everything. Hallelujah. Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed that, that interview. It was great to have her on. Adrian. We exist on the internet. We do. If people wanted more of this content, more oh of this chit chit. <laughs> I'm just going to use that word chit, all chit, the time. Baby. <laughs> Where could they find us? Give out all the handles. Certainly. So um, first of all, if you guys would do us a favor, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us a rate and review. It really does help put us in more ear holes. Yeah. Um, and if you do give us a rate and review, screenshot it and send it over to us and we'll post it. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. I love it. Um, also, you can follow us on Instagram at Dirty Rotten Church Kids. You can follow us at tic- on TikTok at Dirty Rotten Church Kids. You can find us on Twitter at Dirty Rotten CK. Uh, you can follow me, Adrian Gibbs underscore, no, underscore Adrian Gibbs, and you uh, at Josh Link underscore. Um, you can send us an email. That's probably the easiest way to get to us. Yes. We're not very good with DMs. We are sub- <laughs> like months backlogged. Uh, but you can email us at DirtyRottenCK at gmail.com. You can pick up some merch uh, go to teespring.com and search Dirty Rotten Church Kids. Uh, you can support us on Patreon. We have a bonus podcast episodes, a bonus podcast called Bobo Dum Dums, and then we have a patron-only Discord server. It's popping off. It's popping off right now. Chit, chit. <laughs> That's enough. 
Is there anything I'm missing? <laughs> um, no, I think that's about it. I mean, that's all the ways they can get more of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just a little teaser. Um, this month's uh, Bobo Dum Dums episode, we did a random uh, drawing. We asked people if they would be interested in being interviewed by us for the patron-only podcast. They put their name down, and then we drew a name at random, and we spoke to Carolyn. We talked about rapture anxiety, and what a conversation that was. We are definitely going to cover that. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that, because that brought up some shit, shit. So, everyone... <laughs> I just want to have something in our merch store that is actually the Mark of the Beast. So we could, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. That'd be fun to sell. Totally. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dirty Rotten Church Kids. Keep up the dirty work, everyone. And remember, it's, it's all going to be okay. A big humongous thank you to Britt Barron for being on with us. For real, for real. Pick up her book and get ready for some knowledge to be dropped. We hope you found this interview as beautiful and encouraging as we did. Stay safe, and love those around you. If I keep my body moving, and my mind occupied at all times, I will avoid falling into a bottomless pit of despair. This has been an irreverent media podcast. Oh.